and support begins in three, two, one. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Nurture and Support, a recommendation podcast that's been going on forever. I don't remember the year anymore, I'm old. It's our bicentennial. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Um, I am Mel at Karmic9 pretty much everywhere online. Hi everybody, this is Kelly at K-E-L-L-Y-T-H-U-L on Twitter and Instagram. Yay! And you're on TikTok too. (laughs) Well... (laughs) <laughs> I have the app <laughs> and I watch TikToks, but yes, that's it. Yes. Same thing here. I've gotten pretty addicted to TikTok. I have to say, I don't post anything. I'm just one of those people who lurks and likes everybody else's stuff. So I learn stuff on TikTok every day. It's, it's become my guilty, my guilty habit in this pandemic time. Speaking of TikTok, my recommendation this week has a very large following on TikTok where I get a lot of my fandom just satisfaction from. So I'm going to apologize in advance if I get all fangirly for this recommendation and it gets kind of crazy. I'm going to try to rein myself in. I had no idea Mike Belinsky was on TikTok. (laughs) (laughs) Bet you Mike's on TikTok. Anyway, this is a Chinese language drama. Probably many of you have heard of because you're on Netflix. And hopefully some of you have watched it and will get on the fandom train with me and talk to me about it because I'm desperately in need of people in the real world that love this show as much as I do. It is called The Untamed. And I'm pretty sure you probably haven't watched it, have you? That would be a correct assumption. Okay. So like I said, it's a Chinese language drama. It's a fantasy. It is available on pretty much all of the streaming services most of us have. So it's on Netflix. It's even on Amazon Prime. It's on one of my previous kind of side recommendations of the Viki app, the V-I-K-I app. It's on there. And it's even available on YouTube. But you have to be careful of the YouTube version that you watch. There's a special edition on YouTube that... In my opinion, you shouldn't watch until you've actually watched the full drama. It is a epic drama. There are 50 episodes. 50. That's a lot. And that's not, that's considered like one season. So it's more, I I think it's done. I don't really think they're ever going to do a season two. They kind of leave it open at the end where you might be able to do a season two. But I don't think they're ever going to do a season two. So this is hugely, a hugely, hugely popular fandom. This show won all sorts of awards from across all the Asian TV markets. The actors in it won a bunch of awards. So the main two stars are, and I'm going to probably really mispronounce a bunch of these names, and I apologize. English is my only language, and I don't speak it very well most days. So... The main star is Shao Shan, or sometimes known as Shan Shao. He plays the main character, Wei Wushan. And then the other one is Wang Yibo, and he plays Lan Wanji in the show. These are the two main characters. Both of these actors are incidentally also what is called quote-unquote idols. It means they are actually pop stars as well. But Shan Shou is... A very well-known actor. So 
this story, like I said, is an epic fantasy. It has everything in it from monsters to sword fighting, kung fu, family drama, betrayal, people getting stabbed in the back, people being dismembered. It's great. It is based off a web novel that I'm not even going to try to pronounce. I'll send it to Kelly so he can put it in the blog post, but I'm not even going to try to pronounce it. I'm sorry. I should have known I was going to love this. If anybody had actually told me the name of the show that The Untamed was based off of, I'd have watched it the day it came out. It's actually English translation of the book The Untamed is based on is called The Grandmaster of Demonic Cultivation. And I would have so been there if anybody had ever told me what the name of it was, because we know Melissa has a history of liking necromancer stuff. So this show involves necromancy. Our main character kind of through the progression of the show kind of falls into necromancy in its own way. And the big controversy about this show, why it kind of has a huge fandom in the web novel, it's a technically classified as a BL. So if you're into web novels, manga, anime, all of that stuff, that designation means it's gay. The main characters are gay. It's a love story in the end. But China censors any homosexual anything on their TV show. So they couldn't actually put this in the show. So this tells you Melissa has discovered something about herself. I have a problem with gay necromancers, apparently. (laughs) I've talked about how much of that on this show. So I've got the book Gideon the Ninth, which was some lesbian necromancers. Now I have a TV show that has some necromancer dudes who may or may not be gay in the show. The show actually styles itself as a bromance. They're best buds, you know. Everybody else knows the subcontext. And honestly, I would like people to watch the show and not know that and tell me whether they ever pick up on it or not, because it seems blatantly obvious to me. Were you aware of the web series and how the main characters were aligned in the web series before you watched it? Or did you pick up to say, did you watch the show and pick up on it there and then... I knew it to I knew it to a certain extent. I had not read the novel before I watched the show. How I kind of fell into this was I had so many of my authors that I follow on Twitter had talked about how well crafted this show was and how good the story was. And when a lot of the, those kind of people who their job is to write stories and write a good story that people enjoy, When they tell me that something is good, then it automatically makes my ears pick up. And I had uh, put this in my never-ending Netflix queue, but had never actually watched it. So what really came about is one of my previous recommendations, Martha Wells, the writer of the Murderbot series, was on a podcast. And apparently, I'd seen, I'm sure she was one of the people I had seen talk about this show online before. But I actually listened to a podcast Right after, I think, one of our previous episodes where I talked about Vicky, she was talking about how she, um, they brought up how much she loved The Untamed, and she immediately got, I'm not going to say giddy, but got obviously way into, she really loves that show. And she was talking about how many times 
she's watched the show, which I find is very common in this fandom. It's like once you get sucked into this, you end up not being able to get out of this big whirlpool of the untamed. So she watched the show originally on Netflix and then was told that the subtitles were better in Vicky. And so then she watched it again on Vicky with one of her friends, sucking more people into the fandom. And that was something I had talked about before about Vicky. They have teams of people who kind of volunteer to do the subtitles for these shows. And this show in particular showed me that something I wasn't aware of. I kind of figured when shows came out in a different language and they had English subtitles that those were kind of official English subtitles that the maker of the show did so that English speaking people could watch their shows. And I don't really know how this goes, but on The Untamed, every place I've watched because and I've tried all the major ones, like I said, Netflix, Amazon, YouTube, and Vicky, they all have different subtitles. They're slightly different. So they, they've they translated particular titles in the show uh, slightly different or locations in the show slightly differently. And so I didn't realize there would be a difference anywhere with the subtitles. And I did find that that's true. They are different. And I did like the subtitles in Vicky probably more than the ones on Netflix. I tried the ones on Amazon, but I, I got out of that pretty quickly and just mainly watched it on Netflix and on Vicky. So that that's an interesting thing. So when she talked about having watched it on Vicky, I was like, ding, ding, ding. I have Vicky. I actually subscribed to Vicky to get rid of the um, ads to watch my other show. And I was like, I need to jump on that on Vicky and make use of my subscription, which I don't think you have to be a paid member on Vicky to actually watch it there. I think you can watch it there for free, but you will get ads just as an aside. So what is all of this gay necromancy about? When you first watch the show, the very first episode, you're going to be hella confused. You're going to be hella confused until about episode four, but stick it out. Stick it out because you're going to love it. The very first scene in the show, the main character dies. Okay, I'm going to spoil it for you right now. He dies the very first three minutes of the show. It opens up to his death scene and then the show starts. So there's a couple of different timelines going on. And so people have trouble getting into the show because it's confusing and they don't know what's going on. But it's really important the way that they set up how the show starts. So you're dealing with your character, Wee Wushan, or also called Wee Ying, Another aside, there's a bunch of different names in these shows. Everybody has several different names. They have their birth name, their courtesy name, and then some of them get titles too, which really confuse it. Through the course of his first life, he becomes kind of what is considered to be evil, a grandmaster of demonic cultivation, a badass necromancer. And he gets killed by everybody that is involved. All of the characters that you meet were there basically killing him. That includes his brother and also includes Lan Wanji, his supposed love interest from the novel, but this is supposed to be his best friend, his bud. They're tight. 
And um, he's present there also as he dies. So the next scene you get is he kind of gets, I think they call it transmigration. He kind of gets resurrected into another body through some a, a ritual. And he's basically trying to mind his own business, but there's a big conspiracy afoot. And he's trying to figure out how what happened to him happened. So that's the rest of the story, basically. And they try to fill in some of the blanks. And that's why the first three episodes are kind of setting up going back to tell the original story that you've already seen the end of. And then it progresses from there. So you're dealing with multiple time flashes. And until you get, I believe it's episode four, is when you kind of go back to when all of these characters meet, basically, for the first time. You've got necromancers, you've got magic school, you have kung fu, you have swords, you have all kinds of fun going on in this show. And like I said, it's epic. It's 50 episodes. Every one of them is great. So I, it's, it's hard for me to really tell all of you all of the cool points of this show without spoiling aspects of it. I don't want to give plot points away, but there's a lot of family dynamics. So, you know, I, I really don't want to have to bring up that, bring up kind of the, the family problems like in Game of Thrones, but you have some Game of Thrones level family issues going on in this show. And it's really well done. So I love the show so much. I went and read the novel and I'll give, uh, I'll give Kelly the link for where any of you can go read the English translation of the novel, which was really epically well done. And it was translated by a high school student too. And it's really well done. So anyway, kudos to her. You get a lot, of course, more background information once you read the novel about where everything is going. But after I read the novel, it really gave me even more of an appreciation for how well they went back and they told the story in the actual web drama. They told the story really well by changing just a few details of what went on. And it really, you most of the time when they do that, you have a fandom screaming that, oh, they've changed the book. That's not how it happened in the book. And they get all butthurt and they get upset because they've changed the way that something happened. But what they did for the web drama was really very subtle and it didn't take away anything. I really, this really has to be one of the best book adaptations I've really seen on screen. And the fact that it's in a whole nother language that I had to read subtitles for 50 episodes at almost an hour long a piece was really, really amazing. So I just really don't, I don't have anything bad to even say about that show. It was really well done. The special effects are not the best. Um, there's only one major big monster in the show and it was okay. There, That is the one scene I can point out though, that you can see some of the wires <laughs> from the jumping around, but that's okay. I can overlook that because it was fun. So it's really also one of the things that gets talked about is how fun the show is. The main character, We Wishan, is basically a troublemaker. He's always kind of being sarcastic and snarky and just always causing trouble wherever he goes, which is how 
he kind of ends up in the situation that he's in and that the rest of the what they call mad the cultivation world which is cultivation is used as another way for we would say magic in that world how they all turn against him because he really didn't set himself up to be a little goody two shoes and have people think well of him if there was trouble he could get into he basically caused trouble and then he became a grandmaster of demonic cultivation so there you go there are reasons for the choices that he made that he did that which is one of the big secrets of the show is what he did that caused that change for him to go down that path and that's one of the things that you won't find out until the very end which is really very gut-wrenching and the choice that he made to do that it's also sad so it's a show that has action fighting uh family dynamics going on it's funny but it's also sad and but it ends on a good note i will tell all of you that you don't have to worry about watching 50 episodes of something just to have your heart ripped out at the end So it has a decent ending, but do pay attention to it. And if any of you watch it and you feel the need to talk to somebody about it, you can always hit me up because it's been weeks now and I spend most of my time on YouTube watching crack videos of this show. And my TikTok addiction is mostly about this show. So any of you want to get in on any of that action, I'll give you some of the hashtags you have to look at. MDZS is the easiest way if you look up that hashtag or obviously the untamed. Um, But MDZS is actually the abbreviation of the web novel that it came from. And you'll find most of your Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok information by searching for those for that hashtag. It'll come up. But I warn you about doing that until you've watched the show. You're probably going to get spoiled by something. But I'll give Kelly some of my favorite YouTube channels to watch crack content on. So crack is the funny. That's what they call crack videos. They're funny cuts of the show to funny music that are amusing. Some, Some of those don't spoil things as much. But anyway, The Untamed on Netflix. YouTube, Amazon Prime, Vicky. It is just really such a well-crafted story about necromancers. So there you go. There's a few zombies in there too. You you, You have to have zombies if you have a necromancer. They do not call them zombies. And I've actually seen some of the fandom get really, really, really pissed off. If you call them zombies, I don't really get it. But because they act like zombies. So but what are they what are they supposed to be called? In the show they call them puppets. So I really don't understand why some people get upset about it. Perhaps it's a language barrier and zombies mean something else to some of these people. Technically they're not dead. You know, so there are different kinds of zombies since we are zombie aficionados. There are numerous kinds of zombies. There are zombies who are dead bodies. And then there's people that get infected with a zombie virus and then never actually maybe kind of die, but are still zombies. These people are more of that and that they're not technically dead, but they have lost their souls, basically. And they don't have any conscious will. And so they do what someone tells them. So they call them puppets, but they act like our idea of zombies. So... It has everything you could ever want, and there is a 
a very drawn out, very sweet little love story in the middle of it if you want to read the subtext. So, but don't worry, you can watch it with your kids. There's no actual gayness in the show. If you really want the gayness, you're going to have to go read the book. And even at that, there really isn't any until the end. But it's really fun when you know it's there. And then you read all the subtext and you're like, ha, 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 I know it's going to happen. So it's cute, though. Everybody okay. needs more gay necromancers in their life, honestly. Well, you're you're getting the good ones and you're bringing them to the crew. So no, that sounds really cool. And I do. Uh, it's yet another reason I've not connected up to Vicky yet, but I, I need to because I do think given the, the backstory you gave previously on uh, subtitles are going to be important for me to enjoy it. And so why not go to the, the best, the best one out there for that? I really enjoy Vicky. I've, I've got a huge watch list set up on Vicky now too, now that I have fallen into this rabbit hole of all of these, all of the Korean and Chinese language dramas that are out there because they, they do a really good job of incorporating humor into all of the rest of it. They don't call anything like one of the interesting aspects to it, I think, is that they don't really call anything a rom-com. You know, on our TV, we have shows that are specifically labeled as a rom-com or it's an action thriller or something like that. They don't label anything as a rom-com because they basically put that in everything. So everything has a level of comedic elements to it, just as a matter of course. And I found that was interesting when, of course, we were talking in another about, about The Untamed and that came up about other stuff to watch. And that was brought up and I found that really interesting. And I have found that to be true of all the ones that I have watched, particularly on Vicky, though Netflix has a huge and ever-growing amount of Korean and Chinese uh, shows being added all the time because they keep sending me emails about it. Of We've just added this one because they they've see that I have so much of that added into my watch list that they send me emails all the time of something new that they've added. So Netflix, since a lot of people already have it, has got a huge amount of stuff on there. It's just hard to know what what's worth your time their shows tend to be a lot longer than ours hence the 50 episodes yep. and that was that's normal for them and i'm like how do they do that yeah, so makes, makes agent of shield sound short <laughs> yeah it was only 20 22 26 yeah so i mean that would be like two seasons for us but yep. and i i thought our our seasons were getting way too long but I'll have to say I binged the show in record time, so <laughs> I really have to stop complaining about that. Because apparently if you really like the show and you're really invested in it, sleep becomes unimportant and you just stay up all night clicking the button to go to the next episode. So Always a sign of a good show, <laughs> I think. All right, well, uh, mine's going gonna, mine's gonna to be a little bit shorter. And part of the reason it's going to be a little bit shorter because I'm going to uh, have to kind of track with what Mel did is that if I explain too much about why I enjoyed this as much as I did, it'll spoil your discovery <laughs> of it because this is, I don't know if you call these documentaries or not. So we've talked before. I think it's been a recommendation on nurture and support on the toys that made us where it's this nice series mm -hmm. where they go back and they give you all the backstory, learned all about He-Man and who was the first killer toy line and all that kind of stuff like that. Lego, all the, all the fun stuff there. They've created other series down the road, and since 
I believe this episode will actually go live on Christmas. My uh, recommendation is a bit of a holiday gift to the Nurture and Support listeners, and that is the holiday movies that made us. Uh, So they put that out, very limited run in terms of, at this point, movies they have. There's two, (laughs) and the two movies they have are Elf and The Nightmare Before Christmas. Both excellent. Both excellent, I think, excellent shows. And it's very, very well done. You don't tip, so you don't get like Will Ferrell in Elf, and you don't get Tim Burton. Thank you. (laughs) Sorry, just drew a blank. You don't get Tim Burton uh, in Nightmare Before Christmas. You do get Danny Elfman. So you get a lot of Danny Elfman, and uh, and it's pretty interesting there. But they are, they really go through the backstory on them trying to get the movie greenlit. And this whole process to get it approved, going through different directors, going through different actors, who they really wanted initially, who they ended up with. Uh, It's kind of interesting in Elf that at that point, Will Ferrell hadn't had a movie that had taken off. Mm -hmm. And so there was some concern about, I don't know about this guy, Uh, but then he started kind of clicking right around the time they were filming it. But it is, if you're a fan of those movies, or even if you're not, it's super interesting to go through because you get to get all these people that had huge roles in making the films what they are. And they kind of go through the different pieces on nothing was easy on all these processors, twists and turns. And uh, it's just really, really interesting. And those are two good movies. You got one that's a stop action. First time that's really kind of come back in a big way. And then ironically, and it's kind of a tie to it. Are you aware of the movie that Elf was the holiday special Elf was paying uh, homage to very purposely? No, I don't think so. Well, it was really the whole Rankin and Bass universe, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer in particular. Mm-hmm. But but that whole stop-action world, and if you go back, and I, mm-hmm. I kind of sort of knew that, but it, it became clear that this was a very strong objective of the guy who wrote it. Okay. Uh, and to the extent that they... They had to eventually have some conversations with Rankin and Bass around, are we infringing on your copyright? I think we're okay, right? <laughs> you know, we're okay. and, and some things there. Because the elf costumes uh-huh. are Rankin, they are they are standard fare for Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. It's the same model. Yeah. I, I mean, I guess that's just all so much part of our psyches, like the point of the show you're talking about, that it didn't click, that it it was just because that that's who we think of when we see something like that. So and the particularly the the first scenes up in the uh, in the North Pole for yeah. Elf, very very strong lead into it. I mean, there were certain things because like they had instead of the Burl Eyes Snowman, they had the Leon Redbone Snowman. So I got that one. <laughs> but but they yeah. uh, they did a lot of stuff there. But it was really kind of cool there. And so I won't, like I said, I don't want to go into too many details, but one I just think is super interesting because this gentleman's been pretty busy lately and pretty successful. Do you know who the uh, director of Elf was? No. Uh, John Favreau. So, oh, you know, I think I saw that on Twitter recently and it just went right over my head. They had a, they had a meetup, a little, a little reunion on Zoom, didn't they? And they had, they had the other John Favreau in for him yeah it was it was uh really cool and what was i had no idea and then he he really kind of came in because they'd had somebody else and it wasn't working out and so he came in everybody was like ah this guy's pretty new he hasn't done a lot and 
he, you know, you can just kind of tell he was kind of demonstrating that leadership ability he had then to say, okay, here's our game plan. Here are the things we're going to look to do. And then to kind of, with everybody willingly pulling along, let's kind of get there. And I think you're seeing the same thing now in the Star Wars universe with Mandalorian, uh, definitely on that. But one of the things he was adamant about in Elf was that it was all going to be practical effects. He says, I don't want any of this special effects stuff. <laughs> I don't want to do any of that. And I'm like, oh my, how, how the worm has turned for you. Yeah, yeah. So your entire set is now a big TV, a big LCD yeah. screen, and, and it's amazing, amazing stuff. But if you go back and watch Elf, it's all camera angles and mm-hmm. forced perspective and all those types of things to give you the dimensional difference between Will Ferrell and, and the folks there. But I just thought it was hilarious. Yeah. There's John Favreau saying, ah, we don't want to use technology. It's all going to be practical effects. Yeah, that's that. That's really cool because I am not a fan of Will Ferrell's movies in general. It's not it's not my level of humor in general. I, I have not honestly seen probably most of his movies after Elf. And I am also not a big holiday movie person. So it's just funny that both of these movies you're talking about are like my two favorite holiday movies. Elf is like the only real level Christmas movie that I can watch. So it's it. And I when you mentioned John Favreau, I I like him. And so it was amazing to me when now that you bring it up, that when I saw that, I was like, no wonder I like that movie because it's one of the only holiday movies I actually like. So that's cool. Yeah. And it is, it is really fun uh, just to kind of get a lot of the the backstory and challenges they went through. Uh, You do get a decent amount of uh, Favreau in it for Mm -hmm. Elf, which is really cool. And then the Danny Elfman stuff was, was great too. And as he because the songs made that yeah. that show, so yeah, uh, including they, they didn't have a lot of the rest of the script done, <laughs> so some of the some of the Let's early stuff was <laughs> we'll do the songs and everything else will work out, I'm sure. But he originally not not he was pretty adamant he wanted to be the Pumpkin King and Jack and sing uh, and do that, but he wanted to play the whole character. And as they kind of continued working their way through that, they go, you know what? You're an amazing composer. And you're a, you're a great singer. But you are not a voice actor. <laughs> so, so poor Chris Randon, who gets, you know, on any Nightmare Before Christmas panel at a Comic-Con or whatever, yeah. sits lonely at the far end, totally ignored. <laughs> uh, but he, uh, he he's actually in it too. So I, I always thought he doesn't get enough props for yeah. being half of half of jack for that yeah he doesn't he did a good job but yeah so this this series is still going there they've got more shows they're going to talk about well i think they're going to do more but given where we're at in the holiday season for this year and they did have season one and these two episodes so i think they'll okay i mean toys that made us was short run it was like six Six episodes, mm-hmm. and the next season will be six episodes or so. So I think it's going to kind of follow that path. So I don't know if we're going to get any more uh, for this year or not, but they certainly started off strong with these two. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. They, they both they run over an hour. They're on Netflix. They're just If if you're a fan of the movie, it's golden. I mean, you're going to just, yeah. just love it. And if you're not a fan of the movie, you're going to probably come out liking it better because when you just kind of hear the backstory and the different things that are going on, 
these are people that are working hard to create something that's entertaining and really genuine about it for yeah. both for both movies, which I really liked and enjoyed that too. At this holiday season, you're probably watching it. Great compliment to go back and, like I said, if you're a fan of the movies, it's a must watch because you get all kinds of goodies in it. So the ho- now, now the the real question is, are they going to include Die Hard in the holiday movies that they cover? <laughs> They ought to, since yes, it's right. all—it's been the perennial it, Twitter debate every year for yeah. twenty years so. now whether Die Hard is a Christmas movie. And I'm sorry, I'm firmly, firmly on the side that it is. I—I was just about, <laughs> about to ask you. I'm—I'm I'm there. I'm—I'm I'm not sure how you can say it's not. Yeah, <laughs> um, it's my—it's one of my favorite holiday movies. That's yeah. my kind of holiday movie. It's another movie that's there's like very little wasted motion in it. Every, you know, yeah. there's just all these kind of cool lines and humor and fun characters. Alan Rickman is Alan Rickman is Alan Rickman, which means awesome, yes. and and he's he's really cool. It's an amazing thing, and they you know they're very efficient on saying, hey, here's a character in the office that's a jerk. We're gonna make you know that in oh five seconds. Okay, you yeah. got you know that this guy's. This guy's going to be a problem, and sure enough, yeah. he is. But uh, yeah, that was that was fun. I thought Bruce Willis did a really nice job, uh, mm-hmm. and it was fun. But yeah, I I would be with you that it is it is a holiday movie. Absolutely, Cer- certainly appropriate for the holidays to watch. A different yep. a different flavor, but really fun. Yeah, I haven't watched it yet, so I've got I've got a day or two to get it in. Maybe I'll watch it on Christmas Day. There you go. Excellent. Well, we're glad to be back. Please uh, subscribe to the podcast. You can do that on iTunes. You can do it through Stitcher, YouTube. We put the episodes out also on the Bog Panda YouTube channel. It's another place you can kind of get the content. There's other things out there as well. So uh, it's great to be back. We'll Mel and I will be working to, to try and get back in rhythm here a little bit and be a little more predictable on nurture and sports. But we're glad to be back and share some stuff with you for this week. So thanks for listening, everybody. Bye. You can contact us on our website, nurtureandsupport.net, or email us at nurtandsup at gmail.com. That's N-U-R-T-A-N-D-S-U-P-P at gmail.com. Or tweet us at nurtandsup on Twitter. You can also catch Nurture and Support on YouTube. Nurturing and supporting. Turn it.